The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, kids, let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down. She's talking from the skies and sending lives a feel good sounds. Oh, Betty, in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Jets. Oh, she's weird and wonderful. Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen. Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots and from traveling around the world. I just recently uh, was in an article in the U.S. News and World Report, which is very exciting. You know, it's a very reputable news organization. And um, I was actually called an expert and boy, like to be called an expert who wouldn't. And I'm not usually called an expert, you know, unless I'm an expert at pouring um, Coke and serving chicken. <laughs> but this is what I think is funny. Guess what I'm an expert in? Jet lag. <laughs> Can you think of a more boring subject to be an expert in? <laughs> Can you think of something you could have less to say about than jet lag? <laughs> Anyway, in this episode, we have stories about language, repeating yourself, relish, panties, accolades, a very touching story, a very touching story, uh, Beach Boys, Kotex, and a seeing eye dog. Let's get on with the show. He came uh, into the galley, forward, the forward galley in a, in a 767D, you know, has the galley in the front. And it has no cross aisle, so you have to do this big turn because you can't cross over in the middle of the airplane. Um, but uh, he just sort of walks into the galley with his hands in his pockets and he says, Hey, <laughs> yeah, he goes, your girlfriend's over there naked on all fours. What? 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 What are you talking about? Is it your girlfriend? Is it who's my girlfriend? It turns out that this, sure enough, this like go down and walk down the aisle, and, and I can't get around her. So uh, she's naked. On all but she fours? is naked, and on, she, why is she she is crawling. Yeah, oh. she's crawling on the aisle, and, and she. Um, of course, I had to go all the way around to be able to face her because I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was just actually behind her, and I couldn't talk to her that way. So why was she naked on the floor? She, we don't know exactly why she took her off her clothes, whether 
she was preparing to go to the bathroom or whether she was too hot or, or you know, whether she took some drug medication. She had, she had had some wine, so who knows. But I went all the way around and I, you know, kind of leaned over to get down to her, you know, crawling height. And I looked at her in the face and I said the most ridiculous thing that anyone could say at that point. Um, is there something the matter? What'd she say? She looked up at me like, you know, with her eyes like, uh, like glass. They're right. just not focusing on anything. She's not even looking at my eyes. And, and she just decided to continue her crawl. Really? And she's like, get out of my way. <laughs> I'm going somewhere. <laughs> well, we thought we, we knew we couldn't leave her like that, so we told her that she could not. You know, she needed to to we needed to cover her up. So Steve uh, rapidly went. He got two extra blankets, and we were trying to pick her up in the aisle. And she was just too heavy. You know, she was just completely her dead weight. Her legs were just not. You know, you. Could, and at that point, we had her almost on her feet when she started um, urinating. And so well, we had to put her down. We didn't want to get in the line of fire. <laughs> as far as our mission will go. <laughs> then we took the towels and to the, the blankets rather to make like a little dike around her. <laughs> Improvise. That's all we do is improvise. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, yeah. that was, that was uh, good though. That Your was, girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> My girlfriend. When I go through to pick up trash in the main cabin, I don't like to say trash. It sounds bad to me. People go trash, trash. I think it just sounds. There's too many connotations just to use the word trash. So I will say, uh, can I take anything for you? Rubbish? Rubbish? Can I take anything for you? Rubbish? Because I think rubbish sounds better, even though it means the same thing. So this girl heard me saying rubbish, rubbish, and she goes, oh, you know what? I just flew with this new guy, and uh, English isn't his first language, and someone had told him not to use the word trash because they didn't think it sounded good, but to use the word rubbish. Well, he had I guess, you know, sort of, for, you know, English wasn't his first language. So he was going through with the trash cart going, relish, relish, relish. So one time I was doing a uh, Rome trip. This is a while back. It was on the 767. I was standing up front by the one left door. And this, this beautiful girl came to, stood by the door waiting for the yeah. restroom. So I looked at her and I said, how you doing? She goes, good. And then the next thing you know, she falls on the floor. She did. She completely passed out. Women are just falling at your I feet. know. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and then, you know, she had her panties in her hand. You know, so I... I Wait, why to, did she have her panties in her hand? I don't know. She, I think she had. She was going to put them on. Oh. Maybe oh. she takes them off to, to air things, <laughs> you know, during the flight. So then I came to her, I said, you know, are you okay? And then she looked at me, she goes, yeah, why? I said, you just passed out. She goes, really? I said, yeah, just fell on the floor. 
Anyway, she got up, everything was fine. So the, the, the other flight attendant came and asked me what happened. I said, I don't know, this, this girl just you know, was standing there and then she completely passed out and she had her panties in her hand. And they were making fun of me. She goes, you know, she, she just took one look and panties were off. They ripped know? off her panties. Panties were off, you know, that's how, that's how, how good you are. In the last episode, I was talking about how flight attendants can get really stressed out uh, trying to get to work if you're running into difficulty because you can only not show up for work a couple times for um, you're fired. So, you know, it's a big deal. And the other day, maybe it's because I was talking about it. Maybe I jinxed myself, but uh, I give myself plenty of time to drive to work. I have uh, like a 50 mile drive to get to the airport and then I get on a flight standby and uh, I leave my house like two hours before the flight in case anything goes wrong. So I'm not usually too worried about it, but uh, I'm driving to work and I'm on the freeway and uh, all of a sudden the freeway, the traffic just stopped. Not moving, not moving an inch, not nothing. I'm sitting there. I'm figuring, okay, I still have plenty of time. I left myself plenty of time, very responsible. Uh, sitting there. Okay, 15 minutes goes by. Oh, not moving an inch. Hmm. Another 10 minutes goes by. Now it's 25 minutes. Now my cushion's starting to get a little shorter, you know, and I'm thinking, what if this is just going to sit here? I notice other people getting out of their cars. You know, when people start getting out of their cars or try to see ahead, you know, that's a bad sign. <laughs> so I'm thinking, gosh, what am I going to do? Uh, I got to get to work because if I miss that flight, um, I don't want to go into it, but we have a jump seat thing where you can book the little, you know, fold down chair uh, where you can get the jump seat if you're getting to work and you have a priority over other people if they're just going somewhere for pleasure. But you have to book this thing, you know, five days out. And so I had the jump seat on that flight, didn't have it. You could only get one. And uh, so I don't have the jump seat on the next flight. And I knew the next flight was full. So if I didn't get on this flight, you know, I was going to be SOL. So, uh, like, hmm, hmm. And so then I see a little further up, I don't know, maybe five or six car lengths up, a little, little, um, break in, in the fence on the middle of the freeway. And there's a little sign, there's like a little dirt road and a little sign that says authorized vehicles only. Because I'm thinking, if I can go up the median, you know, like where you're not supposed to drive, pass a couple of these cars, maybe turn on to that uh, authorized vehicle, only little dirt road, I can get, um, go back the other way and, you know, drive all the way back and get off the freeway and take side roads to the airport. So, you know, probably totally illegal. And I obviously wasn't an authorized vehicle, but I thought, I am authorizing myself. (laughs) I'm authorized. So... I pull out, I, I I get into the median, and I have a little car, so it was okay, and drove past these cars, drove on that little dirt road, and then waited and waited, because, you know, I got to pull out into freeway traffic going the other way. It was fine, it was fine. But I, I do that, I'm like, whew. But now I got to drive pretty far back to get to another um, exit, and I get out my, uh, thank goodness for cell phones, I get out my cell phone, because I think, okay, well, you know, 
get out the maps because I don't know any side roads and I don't know exactly where I am. And I get off and I, I have my, you know, I got the map, so I'm okay. And then it starts taking me down some weird roads, man. It was like uh, at one point I was in a state park, a state park. And there was a road I was on where they were like cutting the grass and there were like, there was like bales of grass. I was weaving around. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm never going to make this flight. I get to the airport uh, I get to the airport 20 minutes before departure. Now, I still have to go through security. We have to go through security, too. And um, and I have to, you know, get to the airport. So I park my car. I am running. I got my suitcase, my high heels on. I am running. I'm sweating. <laughs> Basically doing an O.J. Simpson through the airport. <laughs> I don't usually cut in front of the line, even though we're allowed to, you know, in security. But oh, today, I'm, I cut in front of everybody. <laughs> Then I'm running down the concourse. I made that flight nine minutes before departure. And, you know, they close out the flight lots of times 10 minutes before departure. So it was just lucky they hadn't done it because, um, but, whoo, boy, that was stressful. And that flight that I made was supposed to be totally full. And there were 20 empty seats because all those passengers were still sitting in that traffic. I'm sure of it. Actually, I looked it up to see. Uh, and all those passengers, real passengers, were standby on the next flight because they didn't make the flight because they they didn't decide to do some illegal authorizing themselves <laughs> to ride in the median and do illegal U-turns on the freeway. But, you know, sometimes if you're a flight attendant, you got to get to work. You got to get to work. It was in Little Rock, okay. probably on a, maybe a 727 years ago, boarding the aircraft. I was the lead, boarding the aircraft. Some woman walks on, she looks at me real confused, like, just kind of like confused and didn't know what's going on. I said, did you need something? She says, no, I was just wondering. If you know you're going to crash, why not jump out before you hit the ground? I said, well, if you jump out right now, you'll break a leg. You jump out at 500 miles an hour, you probably get killed. Now sit down. <laughs> she actually was. Yes. She looked on. She's like, I said, did you need something? No, I just. You mean wondering. like in an elevator? Is that what she's thinking? No, just jump out the airplane as it's going. Like jump it off a bike when it's going. <laughs> I was flying to Amsterdam and I was working first class, so I hadn't even really set foot in the coach cabin. But, uh, you know, we help each other out if one cabin finishes, we go help in the other cabin. So I had gotten on the water cart, which we just give everybody a bottle of water after dinner. And so I'm starting the service and the guy in the front row says to me, um, what's your name? And I got a little worried because usually when somebody wants your name, it's because you've done something wrong or offended them or something. But there's no way I could have done anything wrong or offended them because I hadn't even set foot in that cabin. So um, then my next thought was, oh, is there somebody else that looks like me? Is there another tall blonde working coach that, uh, they, you know, because sometimes they, they confuse us. So that's what I was thinking. And then he says, uh, I think you're pretty. And I thought, oh, thank God he's just flirting. I, I didn't know. I thought he was, when he asked for my name, I thought he, I'd done something wrong. But no, 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 he's just flirting. And then this is the, this is why I'm bringing this story up, is that then he did something what I I thought was strange. And, you know, I've stopped saying I thought I've seen everything or, you know, there's nothing new because I can't say any of that ever because there's always something different. And this guy, he says, um, you know, he's, I guess he was just flirting. And then he said, uh, can I pat you on the back? And I was thinking, what? <laughs> That's so 
for what? And like, do people just pat you on the back for no reason? And I said, okay. <laughs> I didn't know what else to do. So he patted me on the back and then I continued on my way. This is weird. Stand by me. I want to thank any of you when you were going to buy something on Amazon. You went to my website, BettyInTheSky.com. It doesn't cost you any more, and it supports the show, and I enjoy seeing what people buy. This month, someone bought the book called The Promiscuous Traveler. I thought that was funny. And uh, Come Spy With Us, The Secret Agent Songbook, and One Night Ultimate Werewolf Board Game. I didn't know there was a werewolf board game. <laughs> anyway, and uh, thanks also for uh, Jason and Peter. Uh, Peter's from Belgium. Thank you so much for your generous PayPal donations. That really makes my day. So if you're going to go to Amazon, consider going to my website, bettyinthesky.com. doesn't cost you any more and it supports the show. Thank you so very much. I'm always surprised at the little gifts that come via the computer these days. I got an email from Jenny, who's a film archivist in London, and she said that um, she dedicated this little film about flight attendants to me. I thought that was just so very nice. Thanks, Jenny. Here's a, here's a bit of the film. Do you listen to podcasts? I've just started getting into them, and my favorite is called Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. Betty is an air hostess and she reports on hilarious goings-on up in the air. This next film is in tribute to Betty. It's a film about choosing Miss London Airport in 1961. It's especially for you, Betty, because I think you are the hostess with the mostess. Quite an audience to see the record number of 22 competitors from whom the judges had to choose Miss London Airport. Pamela Sheriff, Miss B.E.A., might well be the lucky one. Or Nicole Norwood, Miss Air France, très chic. Rosanna Masters, representing a Pakistani airline. Miss Lufthansa, Gisela Wheeler, they're all very smart and charming. It turned out that Caroline White, Miss Alitalia, came third. Second, Christine Gates, Miss Pan American. Final selection must have been difficult, but the winner was Maureen Dale, Miss B.O.A.C. Yes, a British victory. The hostess with the mostest. The immediate celebration was by osculation. Well, she had good reason to be delighted. Competition had been very keen. It's quite something to be Miss London Airport. We'd love you to subscribe to the British Movie Tone channel for regular updates. This next story came to me uh, by Kimberly and Becky. And uh, this is a little bit um, touching. And I wanted to read it because I have been on flights exactly like this. And I'll tell you what, I'm a, I'm a big softie. I <laughs> I, you know, when stuff like this happens, it's like, I better hope that I have on waterproof mascara because uh, I cry every time. But anyway, this is the story sent by Kimberly and Becky. My lead flight attendant came to me and said, we have an HR on this flight. HR stands for human remains. Are they military? I asked. Yes, she said. Is there an escort? I asked. Yes, 
I've already assigned him a seat. Would you please tell him to come to the flight deck? You can board him early, I said. This is all coming from a pilot, obviously. A short while later, a young army sergeant entered the flight deck. He was the image of the perfectly dressed soldier. He introduced himself, and I asked him about his soldier. The escorts of these fallen soldiers talk about them as if they were still alive and still with us. My soldier is on his way back to Virginia, he said. He proceeded to answer my questions, but offered no words. I asked him if there was anything I could do for him, and he said no. I told him that he had the toughest job in the military and that I appreciated the work that he does for the families for our fallen soldiers. The first officer and I got up out of our seats to shake his hand, and he left the flight deck to find his seat. I'm going to have trouble reading this. I have, I am not good at, at, um, at not getting teary. Okay, so here we go. We completed our pre-flight checks, pushed back, and performed our uneventful departure. About 30 minutes into our flight, I received a call from the lead flight attendant in the cabin. I just found out that the family of the soldier we are carrying is also on board, she said, and then proceeded to tell me that the father, mother, wife and two-year-old daughter were escorting their son, husband, and father home. The family was upset because they were unable to see the container that the soldier was in before we left. We went on our way to a major hub in which the family was going to wait four hours for a connecting flight home to Virginia. The father of the soldier told the flight attendant that knowing his son was below him in the cargo compartment and being unable to see him was too much for him and the family to bear. He had asked the flight attendant if there was anything that could be done to allow them to see him upon arrival. The family wanted to be outside the cargo door to watch the soldier being taken off the airplane. I could hear the desperation in the flight attendant's voice when she asked me if there was anything I could do. I'm on it, I said, and I told her that I would get back to her. Airborne communication with my company normally occurs in the form of email-like messages. I decided to bypass this system and contact the flight dispatcher directly on the secondary radio. There is a radio operator in the operations control center who connects you with the telephone of the dispatcher. I was in direct contact with the dispatcher and I explained the situation I had on board with the family and what the family wanted. He said he understood and would get back to me. Two hours went by and I had not heard from the dispatcher. We were going to get busy soon and I needed to know what to tell the family. I sent a text message asking for an update. I saved the return message from the dispatcher, and the following is the text. Captain, sorry it took long, so long to get back to you. There is a policy on this now, and I had to check on a few things. Upon your arrival, a dedicated escort team will meet the aircraft. The team will escort the family to the ramp and plane side. A van will be used to load the remains with a secondary van for the family. The family will be taken to their departure area and escorted into the terminal where the remains can be seen on the ramp. It is a private area for the family only. When the connecting aircraft arrives, the family will be escorted onto the ramp and plane side to watch the remains be loaded home for the final leg. Captain, most of us here in the flight control are veterans. Please pass our condolences on to the family. Thanks. I sent the message back telling the flight control thanks for a good job and printed out the message and gave it to the lead flight attendant to pass on to the father. The lead flight attendant was very thankful and told me 
you have no idea how much this will mean to them. Things started getting busy for the descent, approach, and landing. After landing, we cleared the runway and taxied to the ramp area. The ramp is huge with 15 gates on either side of the alleyway. It is always a busy area with aircraft maneuvering, maneuvering every which way to enter and exit. When we entered the ramp and checked with the ramp controller, we were told that all traffic was being held for us. There is a team in place to meet the aircraft, we were told, and it looked like it was all coming together. Then I realized, turning the seatbelt sign off, everyone would stand up at once and delay the family from getting off the airplane. As we approached our gate, I asked the co-pilot to tell the ramp controller we were going to stop short of the gate to make an announcement to the passengers. And to that, the ramp controller said, take your time. I stopped the aircraft and set the parking brake. I pushed the public address button and said, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. I have stopped short of our gate to make a special announcement. We have a passenger on board who deserves our honor and respect. His name is Private, a soldier who recently lost his life. Private is under your feet in the cargo hold. Escorting him today is another Army sergeant. Also on board are his father, mother, wife, and daughter. Your entire flight crew is asking for all passengers to remain in their seats and allow the family to exit the aircraft first. Thank you. We continued the turn to the gate, came to a stop, and started to shut down procedures. A couple of minutes later, I opened the cockpit door. I found the two forward flight attendants crying, something you just don't see that often. I was told that after we came to a stop, every passenger on the aircraft stayed in their seats, waited for the family to exit the aircraft. When the family got up and gathered their things, a passenger slowly started to clap his hands. Moments later, more passengers joined in, and soon the entire aircraft was clapping. Words of God bless you, I'm sorry, thank you, be proud, and other kind words were uttered to the family as they made their way down the aisle and out of the airplane. They were escorted down the ramp to finally be with their loved one. Many of the passengers disembarking thanked me for the announcement that I made. They were just words, I told them, and I can say them over and over again, but nothing I can say will bring back that brave soldier. I respectfully ask that all of you reflect on this event and the sacrifices that millions of our men and women have to make to ensure our freedom and safety in these United States of America. I know everyone who hears this will have tears in their eyes, including me. Please say a short prayer for our servicemen and women. They die for me and mine and you and yours and deserve our honor and respect. Of all the gifts you could give a Marine, soldier, sailor, airman, and others deployed in harm's way, prayer is the very best one. Thank you all who have served or are serving. We will never forget. Oh gosh, no, I was going to, um, this was Mexico, Atlanta, okay. it was uh, during December, way before Christmas oh. though, holidays. Uh, holidays, and a, a colleague of, of mine just uh, asked me to, if I could go and speak to a Mexican passenger who was, clearly could not hold this um, the statue for takeoff, and, uh, a statue, yeah, emergency exit row. 
She's so, holding a statue. Well, that's what she told me, but yeah. to turn the statue, it was actually baby Jesus. Oh. So the statue <laughs> was a life-size baby Jesus. <laughs> In her lap. <laughs> In her, on her lap. And I knew she got it all the way up. She made it all the way on the plane because nobody would say anything. You know, and the Mexicans aren't going to say, you can't take baby Jesus on the plane. Yeah. They know, so she had no oppositions from anyone, you know, no challenging from anyone about the size of, you know, cargo. Some of us would see it, but the Mexicans will not see it as baby Jesus. And, and, um, and so I went over and I knew that I couldn't just tell her that, you know, Jesus had to go in cargo or, you know, yeah. somewhere in a closet or somewhere. Exactly. Instead, yeah, I just said, you know, you understand that baby Jesus has to ride in first class. <laughs> that was the only way that I could. This she, she was so happy. She said, oh, thank you. Yeah, gracias. Yeah. Muchas gracias. <laughs> so she hands me baby Jesus and I take it forward. And, uh, and I put him in 1A. On the seat, I actually put a seatbelt around him, and there was nobody in that row, so he stayed there for the whole flight. <laughs> and uh, and then the problem was that the lady was sitting in the back of the plane, and when people started leaving the airplane, they would uh, kneel before baby Jesus and stop. and stop, pray, do a prayer, bless themselves, <laughs> kneel, you make, make a Christmas wish, and. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, the uh, in the airplane was uh, took baby forever, Jesus. baby Jesus. But it was it was good. One of those great stories. We all took turns at taking photographs with baby Jesus, <laughs> and it looked really real. <laughs> The same guy I was talking to who used to work for Pan Am, I love all the old airline stories, whether it's TWA or Pan Am, I just love all that stuff because, you know, it's just different than it is today. And he said they were flying and uh, they were flying with a flight attendant who uh, was infamous for saying strange things or inappropriate things or basically just saying whatever was on her mind and they had the beach boys on board and uh, all the beach boys were sitting in first class and for some reason one of the beach boys didn't have a uh first class ticket so he had been talking to the gate agents and the agents were like um we'll get you a ticket we just have to figure out where you're sitting so just go stand there you know in between uh First class and clipper class. That was like their business class. What a cute name, clipper class. Uh, so just stand there, you know, between first class and clipper class, and I'll come back and get you your uh, seat assignment. So he's standing there. And then here comes that flight attendant who's uh, famous for saying things to people. And uh, she just starts talking to this guy. She don't know who he is. And uh, they start talking. And uh, she goes, well, uh, what do you do for a living? And he said, well, he figures everyone knows who he is. He goes, oh, I'm a beach boy. And she said, uh, why don't you get a job? <laughs> Stand by me, be the ground. Wanna lift you up, never let you down. So we were talking about how sometimes the beverage carts, the wheels, they that you have a, oh, they have bad brakes or they're like bad grocery store carts. Cars, so you were on a flight. I was working a beverage car without brakes, and I was finding very hard to it's difficult to. Uh, aim the car toward a seat so it wouldn't roll and at the same time trying to take a pull out a drawer it yeah. just doesn't work so i went back there and looked looking for something surely i could stick onto the wheel so that to keep it from rolling and i guess stop and i all i saw was that box of maxi pads 
And I just took out a box and it worked pretty well, yeah. discreetly, and stuck it under the wheel and it's it worked. Amazing, all the things you could it do. It worked. It worked perfectly. You know, the car stopped rolling back and yeah. worked. Finally, it was time to move on a few rows further down. So I leaned over, picked up the box, and uh, moved down a few rows and, and tried to put the box back uh, to stop the car. Yeah. To stop the car. It wouldn't work. And that's when this politician leaned over and said to me, I could have told you there are only good ones. <laughs> <laughs> only works once. <laughs> one time use. So one time use. complained about you know the um, emotional support animals and just because a lot of them I feel like people just want to bring their their dog with them or whatever animal and so but I never ever have a problem with actual service animals you know trained service animals seeing eye dogs anything like that you know I'm all for whatever I can do bend over backwards Uh, I think these animals are just amazing Um, and so the other day going to Europe we had not one not two not three but four seeing eye dogs and they were big seeing eye dogs and that's highly unusual to have four on a flight to Europe um so you know they got on the plane first and um with four blind people and they had someone else uh a sighted person who uh like a guide that was with them and uh there was one dog that was like misbehaving and I'm thinking that's so unusual these are usually the you know they go through so much training they're like they're like unbelievable you just can't help but admire these dogs but there was one and I was thinking and the, the the blind person had to keep like saying stop stop ginger stop and I was thinking and ginger kept trying to get um like stop going through the aisles and trying to go into the seats you know they just don't usually do that so we started talking you know uh, to the people during the flight and it turned out that these dogs had just graduated training the day before so um they were, these people were going to pick up their dogs in the United States and bring them back to Europe. And uh, so, you know, th- these were like teenagers just graduating high school. These dogs <laughs> just got their diploma the day before. And I wanted to say, which I never do, I wanted to say to the one lady with the misbehaving dog, I wanted to say, oh, you got the bad student. <laughs> like you got the one who didn't study. <laughs> Stand by me. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm planning a little trip. Sometimes I plan things and things come up and I don't go. But I'm planning a little trip to Puerto Rico. I've spent very little time in Puerto Rico. And there's a bioluminescent bay there that I would really want to see. And I've been wanting to see for a long time. So I think I might jaunt down to Puerto Rico to see it. And if I do, I'll tell you all about it in the next episode. Hope you'll join me again so we can travel the world together. Thanks. Bye. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, 
we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.